This is Daniel Fagella, head of research at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. This is where non-technical leaders stay ahead of the AI curve. If you are not interested in learning code, but you are a leader or a consultant who needs to steer AI strategy and find ROI, then you found yourself in the right place. Today, we're going to be talking about how unsexy AI applications can often be the right foot in the door for measurable AI value. And the topic is one that is relevant to literally all enterprises. One of the things we do here on the AI and Business Show, as many of you longtime listeners know, is we seek transferable lessons. Even if we're focusing on a use case in one industry, we want to find the insights about measuring ROI, about adoption, about strategy that all of our listeners can go off and use. And today, we certainly have a use case in a business area that's relevant for most enterprises and that is contracts. The topic today is contract analytics. Our guest, like myself, has a nice long Italian last name. Danile Cordioli is the head of solutions consulting for EMEA for Expert AI. Expert was uh, with us on the show a while ago, one of the only previous interviews with an Italian accent like you'll hear today, which is fun and refreshing for me. And we dive in on what contract analytics means and what concrete use cases we can get from it. So there's two big things that you'll be learning here today. Number one, when it comes to dealing with our volume of contracts, what is the low-hanging fruit where AI can save money and reduce risk? Uh, Things across industry where artificial intelligence can comb through contracts and derive business value. Where does that low-hanging fruit lie? Danile goes into that in depth today in this episode with some specific concrete use cases that serve as examples. And then secondly, you'll hear towards the end of the episode about some rules of thumb for finding those initial low-hanging fruit use cases. In other words, in your own business, what's the right way to sniff out where the business value is? And sometimes the simplest advice is the best advice, and that's exactly what we get to towards the end of this episode. So there's a lot of great meat in this episode, and I want to be able to fly right into it. This episode is sponsored by Expert AI. If you're interested in reaching Emerge's global AI-focused executive audience through podcasts, emails, sponsored content, and more, you can reach us at emerj.com slash ad1. That's ad like advertising and the number one. Without further ado, let's fly into this episode. This is Danile with Expert AI here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Danile, I know today we're going to be diving into the topic of contract analytics. And before we get into individual AI use cases, I wanted to get your definition of contract analytics and what makes it relevant to business listeners, the kind of people that are tuned in today. So we can kick off with that if you're comfortable with that. Yep. I mean, it's crystal clear that any organization is dealing today with contracts. So all the organization have a repository for contract. They are no longer lost. They have template workflow to create contract and guide them through finance and legal approval. I'm sure that people are exchanging these contracts several times per week by email with a customer, provider, internal department, and maybe associating these contracts to relevant documents like a statement of work, licensee policies. So a great amount of unstructured data are used today on the organization. I mean, we have a strong possibility to apply here artificial intelligence on top of this specific scenario. We know that there is also a measurable direct and direct benefit in applying the artificial intelligence on content analytics processes. Several studies, but also our experience, say that basically applying this, we can enable organizations to realize saving 
in contract administration cost and also 20% cost reduction associated with term and condition compliance. So basically, he is just have artificial intelligence that empower the analyst in dealing with the contract. Got it. And so is it primarily the analysts for whom these workflows are most important? Or I imagine contracts are in every corner of the business. Who's affected by the speed and, and the, the fluency of how quickly we can move here? Yeah, basically all the people that uh, work in this space. So I can think about uh, procurement, or legal department, but also, I mean, according to the different industry, we got also in the insurance, there can be a contract, is a policy, is a slip contract, is a SaaS contract. So we got a different type of people in the company that have to deal with the, the contract. And you know what? There is some commonalities in these people because they have to be able to read the contract. That is a, something extremely complex. I mean, of course, as a human being, we have to be able to understand the language. So we must have a language skill understand or read the document. We must have domain knowledge to understand the content inside. And last but not the least, we must have a clear guideline and expertise to accelerate and identify insight risk within the contract. So in this scenario, we got artificial intelligence that mimic human behavior to solve this language-based business challenge, transforming this unstructured data that is a contract into knowledge and insight. I mean, say in a few words, so there is a technology that is able to read, understand, and analyze any contract at the same level at the best subject matter expert that you got in your company. That would certainly be the ideal. As, as when we get to legitimate human-level intelligence, I have a feeling you and I might not be recording podcasts anymore. But yes, yeah, certainly that's the ideal to strike at would be to model the best of our subject matter experts. And this, I think people are going to be able to see where the rubber meets the road here. So many interesting applications of NLP. Contracts is ubiquitous. No matter what industry you're in, you've got tons of them if you're an enterprise. I mean, absolutely tons with your customers, with your suppliers, you name it. It's gigantic. So in terms of concrete use cases, there's a lot of places we could start. You guys have a lot of experience with this in the real world. What are a couple examples that would help people understand what this looks like in action? I mean that uh, in order to explain how it works uh, in action, we can really talk about some of our uh, real experience. So some real uh, story that we can share with uh, all the, the audience. So let's start with company that is our leading provider of technology-enabled services to the insurance industry. So this company, they decided to bring on board our technology, our advanced AI NLU technology, to basically improve the quality, reduce the friction, and drive out inefficiency in process of manual reviewing and also cross-validation, dozen of hundreds of pages of a contract that are part of the policy. So what happened? They got a lot of policy to process. They have a limited number of people with a lot of uh, knowledge. And uh, basically, they were looking to a technology that gives the possibility to empower these analysts in reading the policies and extract the real value from uh, the policies. What does it mean, a real value? A real value means being able to extract insight, entities, clauses, information, all the type of knowledge that an analyst wanted to read from this specific contract. And basically, with the adoption of expert AI, 
after a few months, they were able to unlock the ability for clients, for example, to be alerted of policy inaccuracy or reduce the exposure of the policies or drive cost saving, of course, because you can have a virtual policy review sit down close to you in your laptop. And last point, but is also very important, you can create additional value for the services that you are providing because basically you can have a 24-hour policy reviewer that can give you an input any time of the day. So this is a clear example of how our artificial intelligence can boost capabilities in understanding contract and or policies. It's a real project, it's up and running more than 18 months and the benefits are really tangible. Yeah, and so just to, to sort of highlight, I guess, how we we look at that or how the client is looking at the measurable or the tangible benefits, and, and you'll be able to say it better than I, but I could see kind of a, a cost savings angle to this potentially in certain workflows. I could see, you know, you had mentioned kind of adding additional value to their services because they have kind of this analyst that never sleeps. What for them was the most important needle to see move? You know, some people are looking at revenue, some people are looking at savings. You know, what, where, where does it kind of come out for, for this kind of workflow? Maybe it's multiple things, but I'd love to know how success is being measured there. Yeah, multiple things. And uh, honestly, I mean, a cost reduction is always uh, an important part. Be able to save money and time. Saving time, again, doesn't mean that uh, we need to restructure the team means that we can ingest and process more data per day. So basically, today, we got uh, very senior guys. They are spending time in reading stuff that basically can be done automatically by a software. That's basically is also used in a better way, the time of my specialist on board. We also have, a, of course, they can take better decision with fewer errors. So human errors are part of the game. And basically, you know what, how our software can, can work in the same way for 24 hours per day. So basically, once that we uh, teach the software, the artificial intelligence, how to work, the approach is always the same. There is no bias. There is no late uh, in the evening activities. So we can reduce the human errors and provide us such a matter expert the power to find insight and identify this relationship in an easy and fast way. And just to get an idea of what these insights are, I mean, certainly being able to reduce bias is easier said than done, right? I mean, there's a training period for these algorithms. It's not like, we plug it in, you don't have bias anymore. It doesn't work like that, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's much more complicated than that. And there are certainly yeah. a lot of errors that we might have to kind of comb our way out of in order to get to that point. But of course, that is the, the dream. The dream is to, to be able to get that error rate vastly below humans and certainly with something as high volume as contracts, certain use cases, that seems very attainable, especially when you have a lot of experience in that space. When it comes to the sort of finding and the actual jobs that these these human beings have to be occupied with, like you said, sometimes it's not automating a human. It's just making sure we get rid of some of the jobs that are really boring, really monotonous and don't involve that much brain power. You mentioned validation. When we've talked to folks in the mortgage space, they've talked about stare and compare workflows. That is to say, I need to make sure this document with these rates and this amount of money is the same as this document and these rates and this amount of money. Is that what you mean by validation or are there other parts of that that you mean? I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the, in the seat of the analyst and say, what are these boring tasks that they're having to do manually all day? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, basically, this is what you just say. We got the two types of main activities. 
The first one is uh, extract uh, entities from the contract. What does it mean, entities? It means, for example, uh, the actors involved uh, in the contract. So it could be the volume discount, could be payment, could be terms and condition, could be expirate date. We got we a list of information that basically are fundamental to trigger other workflow and other process. And the second part is also matching these entities and the clauses too against another clauses repository, against a draft contract, against a MSA contract to basically ensure that the contract, they are the same or that we are meeting the performance obligation. So an easy story journey is the following one. I receive a contract. He is a 20, he is a, basically he's a renewal. And I have to check if the term and condition are exactly the same. The contract, he is a 24 page. Maybe some clauses can change uh, in particular, some specific keyword or some specific word that can completely change the meaning of the document. And what's happened? These analysts have to go through the document and read the full document in order to be sure that every single part of the document is consistent and all the information that I'm looking for is inside. But uh, you can imagine that, and we got experience of this one, one single keyword can change completely the meaning of the contract. And that's the reason why having some technology support can be useful. I'll give you an example coming from a real story. We were in the room, one of our customers, and there was a subject matter expert, there was a data scientist, there was a line of business manager around the table, and the, we went to a contract and we found out the following keyword, BI. And basically the question of the manager was, what does BI stand for? And it was funny then to see that people uh, the analysts say, oh, of course, he is a uh, business interruption. I say, oh, no, he is business intelligence. No, maybe he's business integration. What about bodily injuries or biological indicator? So basically, you can imagine behind the language how many meaning there is and how complicated it is to be sure that what is written is exactly what I expected to find in a contract. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So being able to quickly comb for areas of risk, quickly ensure that we are renewing the right kind of program that we are okay to actually renew that we think is actually the right business decision and that there aren't any blatant ambiguities in in what we're dealing with because the consequences of letting something like that pass you know the difference like you said between business intelligence and bodily injury that's uh the opposite side of the universe basically so that's a great tangible example i like that a lot and i i think being able to have put the podcast listener in the driver's seat of someone running the workflow makes this stuff come to life in the imagination. So I like that one. So we have the insurance example as one. I know we have at least one other use case to cover when it comes to contract analytics here. Where do you want to take us for another example? Yeah, sure. I mean, here we are moving in the space of the financial sector. So we deploy as expert PI in different world, world largest banking and financial institution around the world. And there is some commonality in all our use cases. So basically, here's to make sense of data by understanding what is written in the document that we are analyzing. And you can imagine, of course, how explosive is the growth of unstructured data in a financial company. You got business documents, email, customer interaction, contract, and all these documents has to be analyzed. In particular, for uh, this specific customer, uh, multinational banking and financial services based here in Europe, 
we adopted the expert AI technology to improve the use of data and abstracted information in a way that provides uh, the maximum business value. And in particular, three different areas we were able to, to trigger and to give benefit. The first one is uh, being able to extract all of the, ex the contract entities automatically from the contract and fill a CRM, a repository, with all this information. This was something that uh, being able to do this automatically with uh, more than 90% of accuracy in what you are extracting, basically it is something uh, stunning for them because they was able to make automatic a process that was uh, taking uh, more than four hours from the analyst. Second point, it was basically give the possibility to search in a repository, an internal repository, the contract using the parameter or the clauses that we extract from this. So basically, one of the problem I say, yes, we got the search engine, but we got no the capabilities to find in a short time what we are looking for. A keyword-based approach doesn't work in this case because it can trigger tons of documents that have no sense for you. So basically, be able to classify the document, assign the right label, create a cluster of knowledge, and give the possibility to serve this repository in a different way, change the user experience of the internal people that were able to find information very quickly. And last topic, it was related to the possibility, basically, to fill a closed repository with any kind different type of clauses that they found in the contract, and then use this repository as a benchmark for the future contract. So you know what? You are receiving from different provider, different type of contract, and the same clause can be written in a different way. So what we have done, extract these clauses, save the clauses, run some uh, similarity between the clauses, and basically every time a new contract lands on the desk, they know if the same clauses has already been addressed and basically if there is a better way to write these clauses. Got it. Okay. So a number of use cases going on here within this particular example. I'm, I'm going to, I'll tease out a few just that I've heard and that resonate and, and see what detail you can add because I want to pick these apart for the listeners. I think this is some good material. One of the elements that you talked about is within a certain document type, being able to extract certain data and details, we might imagine it's monetary amounts, you know, who the signer is, who the this is, you know, what LLC is handling this, wh whatever the factors and figures are, something that needs to be put into a CRM. A lot of the time, this is the kind of work that we would send to some kind of team overseas, right? Some kind of BPO firm who would have a very reliable way of looking through these documents, manually copying and pasting. So on the one hand, we have AI able to kind of similar to the last example, extract entities, extract figures, extract the right kind of data, put it into the right kind of fields with a certain level of accuracy. The second thing you talked about was being able to classify and label this big corpus of documents. So we actually know which of them are this kind of contract, which of them are this kind of contract, which of them are this kind of document, and have a machine do that as opposed to uh, human beings. Now, was I correct to say that both of those are involved here? Yep, exactly. Both okay, of them. Great. So the, the search and discovery document part, that second part, Pretty familiar with that. I think that's interesting unto itself. Let me start with the first part, the extraction of entities. My guess is that the way that this works is we do want our human experts in the loop there where we're going to determine, okay, the way that we structure these kind of mortgage documents or whatever it is, is they're, they're generally structured this way. Here's the data that needs to go into the CRM. Here's where that data is normally found. There's probably some rules here 
For example, maybe the first two pieces of data are always going to be on the first page. Maybe it's like 100% of the time that's the case. But other ones could be buried in all kinds of different corners and parts of the of the document. We've probably got to start with a, a lot of different labeled documents and then pump some fresh ones into the top and say, hey, were we able to reliably trace down and extract the information that we wanted? What does it look like to get a system up to speed to the point where we can put a document in the top and it's going to pipe out all the right detail into the CRM? What's that process of kind of growth and iteration? So, yeah, basically, you're right. Um, there is a different way to extract this knowledge from the document. There is some uh, easy example in which uh, you always find uh, the same uh, information in the same position. And here, basically, we're going to use uh, part of our computer vision capabilities uh, to extract this information. But uh, sometimes the information are not uh, is like what we call tacit knowledge. So basically, he's not necessarily written in the document. You have to infer this information. You know that if you have this specific date, this specific amount in this specific mortgage contract, basically the information that you have to fill in the CRM is something different according to one of your internal guidelines. And in order to do this one, for example, we use our hybrid approach. What does it mean, hybrid approach? Hybrid approach it means that we are able to combine the pure machine learning algorithms that are quite uh, cool in this moment uh, in, in the AI sector with basically a rich domain independent representation of knowledge that basically is the knowledge graph with uh, the best natural language understanding algorithm that basically we develop and work with in the last 20 years. So according to the different type of information, be able to extract the right one he is a key and fundamental. I want to add on top of this two comments. Understand the document and extract the right information is a complex part of the activities. Fill a CRM is not rocket science at all. And another comment here is uh, the software can empower the human. So it means that we can keep a human in the loop according to the different type and the risk and severity of information that we are extracting. If I miss uh, one date, it could maybe not be a problem, but if I miss some specific uh, and mandatory field in the contract, I need to highlight this one to a human that before give the green flag or reject the contract, they have to run a deep validation. Yeah, and so it, it feels like there is a pretty strong process that, that'll be established here. When we add AI into this process, You know. Where the human sits in the loop is a very strategic decision. Okay, it gets filtered in this way. It gets labeled based on certainty. A human checks it again in this way. So there's still people, but they're not doing all of the drag and drop fields, but they've still got to be in there somewhere. We found that for almost all vendor solutions, where to put the machine and where to put the person, that's just as strategic of a decision as like building the algorithm. It's like very important in terms of structuring this thing for success. So I was glad to hear you articulate a bit of that. And I guess in, in terms of a closing note, when we think about contract analytics and, and being able to apply these things in business, you guys have seen this stuff hit the ground running. You've probably seen some people adopt it better than others, frankly, and, and learned a lot of lessons. If there's executives who are tuned in now thinking about where could contract analytics fit in my business, what would it look like to kind of get started with AI adoption? What would you have for practical advice for someone in that position? Definitely. My first comment, uh, my first I mean, advice, uh, he is a uh, start from the money, even if it's not probably the most important one, but uh, you can lower your total cost of ownership bringing AI on board because you can process more documents, 
with less time. Second point, uh, you can basically, adopting our technology, be smart from the start. I mean, when we say be smart of the start, I say that basically we got a strong experience and we leverage a deep domain knowledge in insurance, financial services, media, and we got off the shell capabilities to read a document that is like a subject matter expert. And so basically, wait nine months to see benefit in your AI adoption. Last point that probably is the, the best one, you can have a better decision with fewer errors. I want to stress on this point because you can have a, you can empower your with AI capabilities and you can create a virtual subject matter expert in your team and you can scale your team in a way that basically can guarantee good results and reducing the errors because yeah. it is something that we as soon as we tune and configure the full environment basically we can provide uh, an accuracy that is good enough for your business that typically is always more than 80% in accuracy. And basically, you know that the software, he will always act in that way. Yeah, so, and, and those are certainly some reiterations of the value proposition of this stuff here. And I can't speak to any particular numbers being an objective market research uh, host of the show here. But in terms of advice for adoption, advice for people who are considering this, you started off with a point that I think is is important, which is I think you were talking. You said something like "follow the money." In other words, look at where those cost reductions can exist. I think this is a great initial frame to think through because a lot of business leaders they do wonder like, "Oh well, AI it's an abstraction, but it it is about tying it to where we could find that concrete bottom line ROI and improve that cost of ownership." There, talk a little bit about. Do you have any closing notes here on how to find those pockets where it really would be a measurable ROI? The, the things that come to my mind are okay. What are the types of contracts or, or documents that we have the highest volume of, that we spend the most time on, that maybe involve the most errors that are very costly? Is this the right lens to look through? Look at what in terms of volume and cost is already high and then think about which of those could be automated? Or would you advise maybe a different way of getting started? No, I think that what you say is, is uh, correct. Uh, okay. I, I was just uh, thinking about uh, maybe some number or some some other message that can be good for uh, our exec team. For example, one of the cases that we implemented, it was an insurance area, but we got a similar one in financial services. Basically, we were able to increase four times the number of reports that uh, the team was able to examine per day. We achieved 95% accuracy in automated the contract review. And basically, this allows to reduce risk, improve win win rate, increase capacity for the team. We also have the possibility to identify some specific risk in the contract and share this knowledge with a third party of your of the company, in which we say, pay attention. This information are very strategic. It's very important, and there is something wrong. So there is also some implication for other team in what we are doing, not just uh, make automatic uh, a manual job. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So I, I, I'm i going to put a nutshell around what you've said, make sure we're on the right page. We'll wrap up here. It sounds like, yes, let's, let's potentially start where the big heaping costs are, where the big kludges are in terms of risk and in terms of process, in terms of volume. But let's also keep our minds open 
to what it would look like if we could augment that process, what value it could bring to other departments, what other workflows it could influence and it could improve. Because certainly thinking about AI as purely an automation tool is not a very accurate lens. So you're saying, cool, let's start with the dollars, but let's think about that shared value and where that could light up other parts of the business too, if I'm hearing you correctly. Exactly. I mean, we start from one automation process, but the reality is then we move in the in other way to create value. And you know what? When you don't have to put your full energy in extracting some information, you got your mind open to others, other type of tasks and activities. Yeah. And maybe you say, you know what? It would be nice if this part of, if this contract can be summarized and send to my colleagues yeah. to take advice and maybe to store this information. So. Again, is like a domino effect. You do something yes. and then uh, you can have better value. Big time. Yeah, this is how we see AI adoption happen in the enterprise anyway. Is we, we have to hook executive attention with some kind of a measurable ROI. And then, and only when we get some traction, we get them as part of the strategic thinking process. Then we get to open up the other possibilities and really actually build the real value of AI, which is not just a point solution, but is a broader leveling up of capabilities. So I like your emphasis on where to start, how to think about expanding. I think anybody in the enterprise who's tuned in right now can probably leverage that to their own good effect. And I know that's all we have for time, but Daniela, I thank you so much for being able to join us on the show. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. It's been a great pleasure. It's always a pleasure to be here. And let's start using AI and boost the adoption. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. Certainly a big takeaway towards the end, follow the money. If we're going to be building a business case to reach our leadership and say, hey, boss, this is a worthwhile endeavor for us. Yes, there are strategy concerns to consider. Yes, there are AI maturity concerns to consider. But we've got to be able to start off with a dollar figure that's going to actually be appealing enough to unlock resources and to go attack the problem. And so Danilei's simple advice is something that I hope many of our listeners will be able to apply in their own business as well. I appreciate you being here as a listener. I appreciate Danilei being able to share his expertise with us. And I want to make sure you stay tuned because as some of you know, we have a new series out now every Monday called AI Success Factors. So as I mentioned in the introduction, we are always seeking insights that are going to be as transferable to all of our listeners as humanly possible. And we have a new short form podcast series every Monday. These are episodes between 10 and 15 minutes. They're very brief, very short. And what do we focus on? A single AI use case. We interview a guest, either at an enterprise or a vendor. They talk about a single concrete AI use case. And they talk about specifically what factors led to the success of that project. So we look at a project that actually worked out, that delivered business value. Uh, and we ask the question, what made it work? This is one or two core lessons per episode, and it kicks off every Monday. So if you want to start your Monday off right, and you want to hear how companies as, as big as Amazon and as small as cutting-edge startups were able to turn AI into bottom-line value, uh, then make sure to stay tuned on Monday and stay tuned next week for it. If you haven't heard our previous two Monday episodes, check them out. Our first one was February 21st. 
with a leader who is now at Oracle named Rafer Gabriel, who was previously at Amazon. And he talks about one of the use cases for Amazon Alexa. It was the best place to start for AI success cases because Alexa is a massive device. And he talks about some of the pivotal factors to bring a new Alexa use case to life. So stay tuned every Monday for that new series. Otherwise, every Tuesday, we'll be covering use cases, trends, and strategy as always. Again, I appreciate you as a listener. I look forward to catching you on Monday here on the AI and Business Podcast. Podcast.